moms, and we thank God for moms. Happy Mother's Day, all of you mothers. You are loved. Amen. You know, we have, we have a special message for moms. We're in a series, actually we're concluding a series called Family Rx. In this series, we've been looking at God's wisdom, his prescriptions for healthy families. And we've gone through, we looked at God's wisdom out of the Bible for our relationship with our parents, our relationship with our spouses, our relationships with our siblings. And today we're looking at our relationships with our kids. And so moms, we pray that this message provides you great inspiration as you do an unbelievably important job. Now, it's applicable to dads as well. I want to make that clear. And I also wanted to point out that it's applicable even if your kids are grown. Some of you may think, well, mine are no longer little. I have adult children. And as we get into God's wisdom here, you're going to see it's every bit as much a calling on you to minister to your kids in this, this regard. So the application is wide. If you don't have children, I'm praying God would put some young people on your heart whom you can minister to uh, along the principles that we're about to study. I just want to also note that if you don't have children, it could be that that is tremendously painful for you and that Mother's Day just seems to kind of open that wound again. My wife and I dealt with years of infertility and I can remember Mother's Day being a day of tears. And it may be a day of tears for you because you've lost your mom or your mom's alive, but she was never really the mother God intended her to be. For whatever reason, if this day causes a little pain to rise in your heart, uh, you need to know that I and others have been praying that God would meet you in that pain and comfort you, bring you a joy that is straight from him. We're praying that this Mother's Day would be meaningful and life-giving for every one of us. Sound good? Well, uh, I really uh, developed a passion for this particular message uh, maybe a a week and a half ago when I was driving past my son's elementary school, Jake's in second grade, and recess was out and the kids were playing in the playground and I drove by slowly wondering if I would spot my boy, and I did. And so I couldn't help but stop and just sit in the car and watch him for a bit. He obviously didn't know I was watching, but I was watching The playground at recess time is a strange and dangerous world. Would you agree? It is a place where those social dynamics reign, you know, where adult uh, structure is not brought about and kids can just relate. And what, what ends up happening is this pecking order is established on the playground. Do you remember the pecking order? Those who are important and sought out and leaders become evident. And as I watched my son and his uh, classmates play on the playground, I could see the pecking order. I could say, oh yeah, that girl, you know, she's, everyone's following her. And that guy, look at the the confidence with which he's interacting. And that kid, not so much, you know. And uh, it was a little painful when I watched my son playing with one of his friends and a group of boys ran past and that friend got swept up in that group and they kind of blew by Jake as he, if he didn't exist. And Jake was uh, playing alone. Uh, after that. And as a 
dead, I must confess, it just broke my heart. Uh, I, I didn't do very well in the pecking order back at uh, the grade school playground, and I can see my son's a chip after the old block and uh, kind of in the same place. When I, when I make reference to uh, the playground as a painful place, uh, some of you are looking, what are you talking about? That was the greatest, that's because you were high in the pecking order. You were the popular one. Trust me, for those of us on the other end, not so fun. I remember playing uh, kickball one day out there, and they decided we need to pick teams. Remember how that works? Guess who was the very last one picked? I was like, no, please, I don't want to be last. It'll ruin my life. And Sure enough, last. You know, that, that pecking order, I'll just remind you, is still very much alive today for adults, is it not? That's one thing that doesn't change. We still live in a society where we compare ourselves to others and determine where we rank. And our very self-worth is in jeopardy. It's one of the things I struggled with so much as a young man is... This, you know, because I was so awkward and because I was shy and because I was clumsy, because I was socially not very inept, I, I was viewed low. And as a result, I was tempted to believe that I didn't matter, that other people mattered. I didn't matter. And as I looked at my boy playing alone, this passion came over me, this calling. I realized that there is a war for my son's soul. The world is trying to tell Jake he just doesn't matter. He's not important. He's not valuable. And God's called me to fight against that message. God's called me to rise up and to be an agent of transformation in Jake's life where I am able to proclaim, Jake, you are so unbelievably precious in the mind and heart of God and your dad. And the Lord has unbelievable plans of great significance for you. And my son's not the only one. Every one of our children, there is a war for their souls. The world is trying to tell them that they don't matter. And this self-esteem topic is so unbelievably important. If our self-esteems are biblical and strong, we will live a life of joy and emotional health and confidence. And if our self-esteems are terrible, it can wipe us out. It's kind of the foundation on which so much of our lives are built. And so this topic, as it relates to our kids, is so unbelievably important. And moms... Your role in establishing a child's sense of self-worth, their self-perception, is unbelievable. Dads, same true of you. And so that's what we're going to talk about. And I was trying to think, what would be the right passage to preach on in this regard? And I I give credit to my daughter, Janae. She cracked me up on Monday. She said, uh, I was making crepes for my, Monday's my day off, and so I made crepes for my kids for breakfast, and they were really looking good. And I put it on a plate, I kind of waved it in front of Janae's face. I'm like, oh, look what dad made you. You want some? And she's like, yeah, I pulled it away. I go, who's the greatest dad in the world, huh? Huh? And Janae uh, was 
you know, perplexed in that moment. She's like, what do I, you know, she didn't say it out loud, but I could see it in her eyes. What do I do here? Do I tell my dad he's the greatest and just feed his overinflated ego at this moment? Or do I tell him, actually, you know, I think my friend's dad's a lot better than you, and then I'm on the street, you know? And so Janae came up with a brilliant answer. She, 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 I said, well, who's the greatest dad in the world? She said, God is. Ah, yeah. Playing the... Playing the pastor's kid, she knows I have no choice but to celebrate her theologically <laughs> astute answer. And got me thinking, God is the greatest father in the world, isn't he? God took that title, Father, upon himself. In fact, it's interesting, when we look at the biblical revelation of the Trinity, we see that God's the Father, and the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, is called the Son. The Trinity is amazing. Our God, let me be clear, is a singular God. We have one God. Christianity is a monotheistic religion. But the Bible teaches that there is a beautiful complexity to our God, that unlike our own simplicity, God has a communal dimension within him. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, first, second, and third persons of the Trinity. And when God sought to describe how... God, the first person, is different than the second person and relates to the second person. He chose these terms, father and son. God picked those terms to help us understand. We understand father and son, and so it made sense that if God uses those terms, it would enable us to understand the Trinity and the love and devotion within the members of the Trinity a little better. But not only does it help us understand the Trinity, when God chose those terms, it helped us understand parenting. Because we got a lot of bad examples out there, yet when we look to God the Father and God the Son, and when we study in the Bible how they related, they provide for us an example of the ideal parent-child relationship. And so you can start scouring the Bible for where do we see God the Father relating and interacting with God the Son. And interestingly, there's only three places in the Bible where the, the words of God the Father are audible as he speaks about and to Jesus, the Son. And I want to study one of them with you. Uh, one of them is at the baptism of Jesus Christ. And at the baptism... God the Father speaks about his Son in such loving terms that I think they provide a great example for us as fathers and mothers. All right. So the passage is out of Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. And it says this, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened. Jesus saw the Spirit of God. Here's the, all members of the Trinity represented at the baptism of Jesus. The Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Now, a fair question could be, why is Jesus Christ being baptized? Baptism symbolizes the washing away of sin, and Jesus has no sin. He's the only human being, God becoming a human, who is perfect, And the answer that theologians have given through the centuries is that Jesus was paving the way as an example for us. Jesus wanted to, in this way, say, follow me in every way. Do what I do. And one of them, Jesus says, is I'm calling all believers to be baptized, to proclaim publicly their choice to be devoted to me 
And baptism is a beautiful ceremony that Christ calls us to and led us by example to. I remember when I was 19, I got baptized, and it was a beautiful moment for me. As I burst out of the water, I, uh, I was feeling the new life and just celebrating my commitment to Christ. So a little plug for baptism. If you've not been baptized by your own choice, I would encourage you to step forward and do that. All right, but that's, we're not talking about baptism. We're talking about parenting. So let's move on to the next verse. Here's what God the Father said. A voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Isn't that beautiful? Well, can we study those words together? I'd like to go through phrase by phrase and and look at this in a way and draw four observations from it as to how we can interact with our children in a way that infuses a healthy, robust, biblical self-image in them. Sound good? And the first is this. We can give them, help me, attention. Thank you. Attention. This is the be there factor. Before we even study what the father said, I want to just point out that he was there, that he showed up at the baptism of Jesus, that his voice was heard from heaven. Isn't that beautiful? I, I love this. It's, it's an important moment in the life of Jesus Christ. His baptism was huge. And what we find is that the father attended, if you will. Not only attended, he was a vocal he made a scene, if you will. Have you, I'm sure you have. You've been to a graduation, have you not? Where This is graduation season, so maybe it was recently, where the, the principal stands up and says, I'd like to ask that all applause be held until the end of the service, at which point we will give a robust applause for all of our graduates. And inevitably, there's some mother, when her child's name is read, she can, Bobby, I love you! And Lord, forgive me for the comparison, but in some ways, it's as if God the Father just says, I'm here, I'm present, and I want it to be known. I love my son. And folks, it's through being there, your attention. Before you say anything, just being there is so valuing to our children. Uh, Thursday, my daughter Janae had a skit night at her school where they, they divided into groups and they each did skits. And, and I, I came and I was, I was disappointed because when I arrived, uh, Janae didn't notice that I was there. I wanted her to see me. You know, and so I kept scooting forward and scooting forward. And even when she did her little skit, she still didn't notice that I was there. And I'm like, doggone it, the, the whole reason I'm here is to value her with my attention, you know. And when her skit was done, she sat right in front of me and still didn't notice I was there. I'm like, this is unbelievable. She's talking to her friends, and it was kind of fun to eavesdrop and, you know, hear what my daughter. Finally, I couldn't stand. I tapped her on the shoulder. And she turned around, Dad, I didn't know you were coming. And... There were a few more skits, and it amazed me when Janae whispered to her friends and then got up, came around, and sat next to me. And I thought, isn't that weird? Uh, Here I came to love her by giving her my attention, and it turns out she's loving me by giving me her attention. I have to tell you, when she chose to sit next to her old man, 
compared to her friends, my heart was exploding. And it was just a reminder to me how just giving our attention to our kids is so powerful. And, and not just attending ball games and graduations and big events. Home, giving your attention at home is so important. Just sitting down with them and looking at them. Say, tell me about your day. Hey, how did that test go? I, I, I will confess that my son Jake does the jaw turn with me. Jake loves to talk, and sometimes he's talking to me, and I will turn, you know, and do something else, and he will grab my jaw and turn my head to look at him, you know, and it's, it's a reminder to me. He deserves my undivided attention. You know, we, we value that which we give our attention to, and our kids know that, and so if we deprive them of our attention, they feel devalued. Really, this is a cry of, am I important enough? to warrant your attention. We need to say yes by giving it. All right, the second thing that I would like to point out is acceptance. If attention asks, am I important? Uh, Acceptance asks, am I wanted? Do you want me? Are you rejecting me or are you accepting me? Look what the father said. This is my son. That's acceptance. That's choosing to boldly identify with your child and say, you are mine, and I'm glad to say so. You know, I I love being in the lobby, and so many of you will introduce your kids to me, you know, adult kids. You'll drag them, and they really don't want to meet the pastor, actually. But, you know, but when you come up and you say, this is my daughter, this is my son, You know, they're blushing, but deep down you are feeding their soul because you're showing that I'm proud of you. I want to be identified with you. I like, I use those terms. It's kind of weird, but I go, hey, son. I'll call out to Jake and to my daughters. I'm like, daughter, daughter of mine, look at me. And I use those because that just shows I want you. Uh, This is so sweet. My daughters have both expressed a reluctance to give up the name Griffin. They say, you know, someday, Dad, when we get married, we got to change our name. And I'm like, you know what I said to them? I said, I don't know if you're going to, if you change your name, you know this, you will always be a Griffin, I told them. I said, I am your dad for eternity, and you are my daughter for eternity. I go, I've studied heaven. I'm a Bible guy, you know, and the Bible talks about in In heaven, you know, there will be no marriage. So I know I'll love your mom, but I don't know if I'll call her wife or whatever. But this I know, you'll always be my daughter. (laughs) You'll always be my daughter. You're stuck with me forever and ever, billions of years. You are mine, and I am yours. And I want to reinforce that acceptance, you know. Particularly, you know, we've got a couple adoptions going on in our family, and sometimes there can be that question of rejection, acceptance, And we just need to let it be known. You're my son. You're my daughter. All right, acceptance. Next, we have affection. Uh, Do I matter? Am I wanted? The heart of a kid asks. And am I loved? And uh, it was known on that day that God the Father loves God the Son. This is my son whom I love. Love. 
Folks, the, the demonstration, the communication of affection is one of the most important things a parent gives a child. Amen? And it's not just saying it, it's also showing it. It's, it's verbalizing it, I love you, and it's showing it with uh, physical acts, hugs and kisses, and uh, just putting your hand on their back in any way you can, you know, show that affection. Uh, verbally, let's talk about that for a moment. You know, I know there are a lot of families that get out of the habit of saying, I love you. And when you fall out of that habit, it's really awkward to restart it. I know this with my grandmother, of all people. For whatever reason, decades went where we stopped saying, I love you. And then there came a point where I'm like, this is ridiculous. I love my grandma. I know she loves me. Why do we not say it? And so I remember the day when I just said, forget it. I'm just going to say it. And I was saying goodbye. Bye, grandma. Hey, grandma, I love you. And she was like, oh, Jeff, I, I guess I love you too, you know. And it was, it was awkward, very awkward, let's just say it. But it got us over that awkwardness. And today I just saw my grandmother, who was 97 this week, gave her a big hug. I said, Grandma, happy Mother's Day. I love you. She said, Jeff, you know I love you too. And we say it very normally now. And so I just give this advice. If for whatever reason you've fallen out of the habit of saying I love you to your kids, Get over that and start saying it and say it often. What is awkward will become normal if you have the courage to step into that. And when it comes to physical affection, you know, my, I've seen it these days. It actually kind of concerns me. My son just can't get enough of his mom. You know, I'm like, oh boy, I'm getting a mama's boy here. You know, their, their cuddle time is just ridiculous. It's like, get, get off her lap, son. You got to, you know... I'll show you a picture. This is Jen and Jake fell asleep on a Sunday afternoon. You know, they sat down on the couch together and just were exhausted and both went out cold. And the truth is, this is so good. Every time Jake sits on his mom's lap and she wraps her arms around him and the two of them cuddle, his soul is being built up. Affection is, is declaring his worth and how significant he is affection is so unbelievably important. So let's, let's look at the three once again. It is attention. Am I important enough for you to give me your attention? Acceptance. Am I really wanted by you? And affection. Am I really loved? And then lastly, affirmation. And this is, am I good? Am I good at anything in your eyes? And the father said of the son, world, let it be known with him, I am well pleased. In other words, the father says, I've been watching my son live on planet earth and seeing him carrying out the vision. And I just have to say, he delights my soul. I am so pleased with who he is and what he's done. And folks, that that praise, if you will, those affirming words or statements from our uh, parents mean the world to us. And it's not just kids. I will tell you as an adult. So my mom and dad attend almost every single weekend at the Compass Church. They come Saturday night, drive an hour from northern part of Chicagoland. They honor me with their attention. And every week, my mom 
as she drives home, is texting me praise for my sermon. I, I skim through those texts, and they, you, you, come on, Jeff, you don't care that your parents say nice job more than you know. In fact, sometimes I cause a fight between my parents. Uh, sometimes my mom will just uh, call me and, uh, as they're driving the car, and I'll hear my dad on the speakerphone say, Hey, son, my dad's a, a lay preacher. He's a businessman, but a lay preacher. He'll say, Son, I have a few uh, words of constructive criticism I'd like to offer you. Just some ideas for your consideration. And my mom will say, Gary. And he'll say, Come on, son, this will help him. And he, she, he explains... And my mom will burst out in anger, saying, Don't listen to your father. That sermon was perfect. (laughs) He doesn't know what he's talking about. Jeff, that was the best sermon I have ever heard. (laughs) Praise God for my mom. I I can do no wrong in her eyes, you know? And, And that mama bear pride praise feeds my soul. So let's find specific. Now, don't exaggerate. Uh, You know, sometimes we say things that are just over. You're the smartest kid in the whole world. You know, and they're like, no, no, I'm not actually. Uh, Come to my class, I'll show you. (laughs) You know, and so we want to find things that are true about our kids, but specific things that they do well. Find it out. Point it out. And say, you knocked it out of the park there. That affirmation, whether our kids are young or adults, means the world. There's something about a child hearing from mom and dad. They want to please mom and dad so dearly, and that never goes away. And those words of affirmation are so tremendously powerful. You say, aren't we supposed to discipline our kid and correct them when they're wrong? Yes. But that balance between correction And praise is very important. And I believe there should be more positive praise than there is correction. So let's just review. I mean, what a sacred moment that God the Father has with God the Son. This is a window into the heart of God the Father. We understand what does the ideal father-son interaction look like. Well, here it is. It's when dad shows up and says, I'm here and I can't keep my mouth quiet. A voice from heaven will proclaim that I love my son. This is my boy, my daughter. That acceptance and identification and celebration of I am yours and you are mine. Uh, Whom I love, that tender expression of affection. With him, I am so well pleased. That, that celebration, that affirming praise as to what is good and beautiful in the life of your child. Moms, I don't know if you realize this, but the power you have in the life of your children to form their soul is unbelievable. It's staggering. May the Spirit of God guide you to the right words, to the right moment, to speak with courage in ways that breathe life into the souls of your kids. You know, I have a box here I'd like to tell you about. This box uh, contains letters that my mother-in-law 
wrote to my wife, Jen's freshman year of college. Uh, I had fun. I went through them for Mother's Day here and read all of them. Do you know my mother-in-law wrote Jen a card? And when I say card, there's always a long letter in it. Card or letter every single week of her freshman year. Now, that was a really dark time in my wife's life. Jen went into college in a bad place. Uh, She was struggling with self-esteem issues that were having a destructive effect on her life. And my mother-in-law was scared for her, rightly so. And she said, what can I do? And the Spirit of God led her to this ministry of letter writing. And she says, one of the things I can do is just bombard her every week with these words of love and affirmation and acceptance from me. And as I read through these letters, I will tell you, they brought tears to my eyes. Uh, It's a picture to me of a mother loving her kids so well. And it worked. My wife got through that difficult season and came to a place of soaring in large part because of the ministry uh, her mom had in her life. I I thought I would read just one. Apparently it was written around Christmas because she refers to the birth of Jesus. It says, Dear Jennifer, the birth of Jesus brings to mind the day that you were born to us. It's a girl, the doctor said, but I didn't believe it. I had to see for myself, and sure enough, you were not David. (laughs) They were going to name a son David if they had their third boy. What a joy and what happiness you brought into our lives then and continue to do so. You have made our family complete. I always wanted two boys and one girl, and God answered. I am so thankful for you. I can see how wonderfully God has molded you and made you what you are today. The Lord has given you a heart and mind that sees the good in everyone a disposition that is happy, and a personality that draws everyone to you. So true. What gifts God has given you to be used for his glory. I love you, Jennifer. I am so thankful for you. With all my love, Mom. Written almost 30 years ago. whole box full of them. And those truths spoken by a mother ministered to my daughter in a transformational way. God the Father adores Jesus the Son and us, his children, and he has shown us how to do parenting well. With his strength, let's try to follow his example. Amen? Let's pray. God, we want to thank you so much for being so filled with an undying love for showing us what it means to care and to be a father, a parent. God, we thank you for our moms, and we thank you for our children. And Lord, it's our children that we so long in this moment to faithfully be your representatives in their lives. Would you please, God, give us wisdom? If we've blown it, give us forgiveness and give us a vision to start anew. God, please, we pray for our kids right now. We love them, and we long for them to live lives that are full 
Would you please, God, use us? Give us courage. Give us the right strategy in the right moment. Help us love our children in a way that changes and touches their hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.